0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one of my new podcast titled, But why Did It Happen? So I came to this idea because I'm always telling my friends, my girlfriend, my dog, or really just anyone who will listen about this crazy story I just heard, or the sports story I remembered from when I was a kid. They'll usually listen a little bit usually zoning out, to be completely honest. But around some point, they'll look at me and say, but why did it happen? And that's when I know, you know, I've got them reeled in. And so I'm always doing that. And so I thought to myself one day, Davon, let's make it a podcast. And so here we are. Episode one of But Why Did It Happen? Thank you. Enjoy. Enjoy. So yeah, dude, while the Supersonics were in Seattle, Seattle was a pretty cool place to be. You have bands like Pro Jam and Nirvana being formed in the 80s and 90s, big old corporations like Starbucks and Costco finding their roots in the 70s and 80s. Hell, bro, even sports-wise, you have the Seattle Sounders playing in the North American Soccer League, aka the NASL. And let me tell you something, believe it or not, my dude, but back in the day, 1974, This league was averaging over 10,000 fans a game. 10,000 fans a game for soccer. In the United States in the 70s? You gotta be kidding. I barely believe it, even though I know it's a factual fact. Then you take a look at the Seattle Storm. They come to town in 2000, win the WNBA championship in 2004. At different times, the Seattle Mariners... Had guys, Hall of Fame guys like Ken Griffey Jr., Randy Johnson, Alex Rodriguez, and Ichiro Suzuki. The 2001 squad won 116 games. That's crazy. Then you take a look at the NFL side with the Seattle Seahawks. They had NFL MVP running back Sean Alexander and a trip to the Super Bowl in the 2005-2006 season. And just a quick side note about this Super Bowl. It is the most boring event I have ever witnessed in my life. The one and only time I have ever fallen asleep on a football game. Like if it were up to me, I wouldn't even count that game for anything. It was that boring. But but at the end of the day, they did go to the Super Bowl. So if you were to say that the city of Seattle was, you know, a little, a little kind of thriving during the Supersonics tenure... I can nod my head in agreement with you. It would not be a ridiculous statement to make. You could say it was a thriving city while the Sonics were there. It was decent. I'll nod with you. I'll agree. I'll give you the two thumbs up. Like, yeah, pal, I'm right there with you. So, to talk a bit more about the Seattle Supersonics and to dive in deeper to really help explain who this team was, you have to take a look at when they came to town in 1967. Now, at the time, they were the first major professional sports team in the city of Seattle. So, you know, big stepping stone for the first pro team there. Big ups to them for that one. Now, after a few seasons of swapping out head coaches... Finding the right squad to put together and really trying to understand what it takes to be an NBA franchise, the team brings in Boston Celtics legend Bill Russell to take over the realm and be the head coach of the squad. Now, honestly, this helps the team. It molds them, it shows them what success is, it shows them how to win. I mean, the dude had about 11 rings at the time. It's ridiculous. I mean, if you can't learn success from someone like that and how to win, then I don't know what you're in the business for. Now, It really, like I said, it helps to send them in the right direction. So after Bill Russell does leave, after a few seasons, they bring in a man by the name of Lenny Wilkins to take over. But it's not like you're dropping from great to trash with Russell to Wilkins. Just a few seasons ago, Lenny Wilkins was a member of the squad as a player. So now that he's the coach and he's been a a member of the team as a player, you know, it gives him a little extra advantage because he knows the perspective, uh, from both sides, both angles, he knows how to look at it all. So I, I think really it really helped them, which showed in the 1978-1979 season, he takes the team to the NBA Finals. They go on to play the Washington Bullets. They beat the Bullets in five games, win their first NBA championship, the first in franchise history, 1979 NBA champs, the Seattle Supersonics. Now, after they win the championship, their owner at the time, a guy named Sam Showman, He sells the team. Now, if you were to ask me, I feel like this is probably like a bad time to sell the team. Like, why sell them after they just won this championship? But then again, I'm not a business guy. So maybe selling them when they're at their highest value is probably the smarter thing to do. But anyways, he sells the team to a fella by the name Barry Ackerley. And I don't know if he did his research on who this Barry Ackerley guy was, because as soon as Ackerley takes over, the team just downfall, downfall period of decline very mediocre it was just not a good look for the franchise at the time I was like very accurately what are you doing do you have any idea what you're doing I feel like he's like the Knicks owner today it's just come on man you're making the team look bad Luckily for the people of Seattle, the team goes on to draft Sean Kemp in 1989 and then a little unknown guy by the name of Gary Payton in 1990. What else do they do? They go in, bring head coach George Carl in 1992. Now, let me tell you something right now. Now, when you bring in Sean Kemp, Gary Payton, and George Carl, you better find some success and come out of that hole. And that's exactly what they did. Now, during the first few seasons with George Carl as the head coach, the team, they were making the playoffs. But there was always some little hump that they could not get over. Now, in the first season under George Carl, 1992-1993 season, they go 55-27. That's pretty damn nice. But they go on to lose in seven games to the Phoenix Suns. Okay, seven games. That's fine. They made it a fight. The next season, they go on to have the best record in the NBA 63 and 19. Number one seed. Y'all, that's what you live for. Number one seed going into the playoffs, easy living. They faced the Denver Nuggets in the first round. They lost. They became the first number one seed to lose to a number eight seed in the playoffs. Lost the series to number eight seed. But okay. They come back next season still pretty strong. Go 55, sorry, 57 and 25 in the year. 57 and 25 only to get swept by the Lakers in the first round. 57 and 25 and got swept. They didn't even win the first game. But okay. 1995-1996 season. The SuperSonics are back to being the number 1 seed yet again. because they go 64 and 18, Number one seed at 64 and 18. Again, y'all, this is what we live for. This time they get in the first round. They got to face the Sacramento Kings. First round, the Kings. They beat them. They sweep them, actually. Let's give them some more credit. They sweep the Sacramento Kings in the first round. Round two, they're facing the defending champs, Houston Rockets. That squad was deep back then. But did it matter? Nope. Sonic swept them, too. Yeah, you heard that right. The Sonics back-to-back sweeps, one of them being the Houston Rockets defending champs. Okay, we're going next. Who else are we going to face? The Utah Jazz. The Jazz were pretty nice back then in the 90s. Pretty nice. So they take the Sonics to seven games, but the Sonics win it. Sonics going back to the NBA Finals. It's been a hot minute since they've been in the Finals, but they're back. Solid team. Solid, solid, back in the finals, but Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, so lucky for them to get to the finals, unlucky for them that they had to go and face Chicago and the Michael Jordan led Bulls, Um, long story short, they lost the finals to the Chicago Bulls, but it was a nice run, it was a nice run. So after that run in the playoffs ended with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, you know they had a couple of sweeps under the belt. You got to be proud of that. But just a couple of years later, 1998, George Carl leaves town for a new team. A couple of years after that, the man they brought in to replace him, Paul Westfall, actually not even a couple of years, a year and a half essentially, he was fired during the 2000-2001 season. My man didn't even make it the whole season. They probably fired him around All-Star break. Then fast forward two years after that, Gary Payton is sitting out of town. They trade my guy up to the Milwaukee Bucks. Gary Payton up in Milwaukee. George Carl is out of town. That team we saw in the 90s is no longer here. So you really don't know what to expect out of the Seattle Supersonics at this point. In 2004-2005 season, you have Ray Allen and Rashard Lewis leading the team. So again, you really don't know what to expect. Not the highest of expectations. Probably not expecting them to be the worst team in the league. But surely you're not expecting them to you know, be in the conference finals. But lo and behold, Ray Allen and Rashard Lewis, some shooters, by the way. Real shooters. They, they surprise everybody. Surprise the league. Win 52 games and go to the Western Conference Finals. But again, like earlier before, it was lucky for them to get to the finals, but unlucky for them to have to face Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. This time around, it was lucky for them to get to the Western Conference Finals, but it was unlucky for them to have to face the San Antonio Spurs. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the San Antonio Spurs at that time, they had a nice three-headed monster. Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, And Tim Duncan. So, again, long story short, they lost the Western Conference Finals in six games. But if it helps, they did lose to the team that went on to win the NBA Finals. The Spurs beat the Pistons in that year's Finals. So at least, you know, they failed to the eventual NBA champs. So after the team loses the Western Conference Finals to Timmy Duncan and the Spurs, it's just downhill for the franchise for the next couple of seasons. You know, they win 35 games the next season, don't win very much the following season. So this poor play, it leads to a top draft pick. Now, I know a top draft pick is not always a for sure lock-in. There have been a lot of bums that have been drafted. I'm not going to name any names because, you know, those guys have had it hard enough as it is not living up to the expectations. So I've got no reason to name drop right now. But the Supersonics had the number two pick in the 2007 NBA draft. They chose to spend that pick, the number two pick, on the man out of the University of Texas. A guy goes by the name of the Slim Reaper, KD. KD Trey 5, Kevin Durant, the Durantula. Yes, Kevin Durant chosen number two out of the University of Texas by the Seattle Supersonics in the 2007 NBA draft. Now, what's kind of crazy is Kevin Durant's rookie season just happened to coincide with the Supersonics final season in the city of Seattle. So there was a lot of hype surrounding Kevin Durant at this time like had you watched the man at the University of Texas in college you would understand why I mean you don't get the nickname the Slim Reaper Durantula or KD Trey 5 by just being some average Joe out there so his rookie season he lived up to the hype he wins rookie of the year led all rookies in about points per game averaging 20.3 points per game as a rookie it was just crazy So with that being the final season in Seattle, it definitely left the fans, you know, feeling what could have been. Yeah, like I said, the poor play led to them drafting Kevin Durant. But when you see the kind of player that he has the potential to grow into, you're like, wow, like, that's us right there. Like, that's a member of our franchise. And sure, they only won 20 games that season. But again, it was his rookie season. Things were just getting started. And a very minuscule point, but they won their last game in their franchise uh, history versus the Dallas Mavericks, April 13th, 2008. They played the Mavs, 199 95 Kevin Durant was aching on the crowd as they were chanting, and honestly, the entire time they were chanting, Save Our Sonics. So, them winning 20 games, it didn't even matter. It was evident that the city and the fans, hell, even the team, wanted to stay. So, I feel like there's always going to be that feeling for the people of Seattle just seeing, you know, what could have been. Things were just getting started. So I know I just hit you with something. You know, I'm, just, I'm talking about the team. And there's like, boom, oh, you know, their, their last season. They draft this guy and it's his last, last season in Seattle. So now's the time where you ask, whoa, 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 whoa. But why did it happen? And I'm going to tell you why it happened. There are a few different things. There are a few different things that added to this and got us to that point, but don't you worry, I'm going to tell you why it happened. So you're wondering, why did it happen? Why did they leave Seattle? The team has relative success throughout the franchise history. You know, they they win an NBA championship, have a couple conference titles under their belt. The city is booming with four major professional sports teams. Population had increased by nearly fifty thousand from the year nineteen ninety to the year two thousand. So why exactly did the team move from Seattle to Oklahoma City of all places? Like, I'm not trying to talk trash here. Like. Oklahoma City is cool and all, but to go from Seattle to Oklahoma City? I mean, that, that that's just a little bizarre. So, how does that happen? So, to understand and to really explain, we've got to backtrack just a little bit. So, I told you about the Supersonics and their history and, you know, how they were doing as a team. But there is some stuff going on in the background that we have to chat about now. Now, back in 2001, the owner, Barry Ackerley. Remember I talked about him earlier. The dude that had no idea what he was doing sent the team into a downfall. Well, in 2001, that dude, Barry Ackerley, he sells the team to the basketball club of Seattle. Now, the main front guy for the basketball club of Seattle was the former CEO of a little-known company called Starbucks, Howard Schultz. Now, after years and years of trying to get the Washington state government officials to provide $220 million in public funding to update their uh, current arena, which I definitely understand why they wanted this arena updated. It hadn't been renovated since 1995. Um, So at that point, I mean, really, it's only only about six years uh, from when he becomes owner in 2001. But it hadn't been renovated in a few years, and it was the smallest in the entire NBA. It, it sat only 17,072 people, so that capacity was tiny. You know, it didn't really allow them room to grow, you know, to be holding all-star games and things like that. Like, that's just tiny. So after he, he tried and unsuccessfully did not get the public funding, again, $220 million in public funding from the, uh, from the Washington State government officials. Howard Schultz starts, you know, putting the team out there, seeing if there's any bids for the team. He's having a hard time finding some local buyers. So what's he do? Next best step is you got to find some out-of-state buyers. So he meets with some people from Kansas City, Las Vegas, St. Louis, San Jose, and Anaheim, and also a group out of Oklahoma City. So after Howard Schultz and the Basketball Club of Seattle, uh, they meet with all these different investment groups. They eventually settle on the Oklahoma City-based group. Now, they won the Oklahoma City group, they won the rights to purchase the team because the city of Seattle, they truly thought that the team was going to be bought by this Oklahoma City-based group and they would be staying in the city of Seattle. And to be honest, you can't blame them for thinking that. We have on record... The Oklahoma City mayor, Mick Cornett, he was quoted saying, I think it's presumptuous to assume Clay Bennett and his ownership group won't own that Seattle team for a long, long time in Seattle or somewhere else. It's presumptuous to assume they're going to move the franchise to Oklahoma City. So when you're hearing the mayor of the town that just bought your team, uh, an investment group from the town just bought your team saying, you know, it's pretty crazy to think that this group is just going to Take the team from Seattle. It's crazy to think that. You're going to have, you know, a little leeway to believe in the fact, you know, they're going to be staying with us. So the team was officially purchased for $350 million in July of 2006. So Howard Schultz and the basketball club of Seattle, they only only owned the team for five years. It just just wasn't working for them. Like, you know what, dude, coffee was way easier than this. Like, let me get out of this business. So they sold it to the OKC-based group. But again, because Seattle, they, they wanted the team to stay. They included a clause in the sale. It was a, a, a good faith effort that stated that the OKC-based group must spend at least the next 12 months trying to secure a new lease for an arena or just a brand new arena in the metropolitan Seattle area. So they, they wanted the team to stay. So after the OKC group purchases the team, again, they have to spend 12 months trying to get a new lease for an arena or a brand new arena in the metropolitan Seattle area. So previously, I stated that Howard Schultz and that Seattle-based group sold the team because they could not get $220 million approved in public funding. But Clay Bennett and the OKC-based group, they try and get 500 million dollars in public funding which if you ask me i feel like they went into that knowing that it was going to get denied because that that's that's more than double what the other group was denied and they come for 500 million like why would that work so that's obviously shut down and then clay bennett says oh hey well you know what how about we use tax money to cover this 500 million dollars and again they're like no another thing that does not help anybody in this situation is that the city of seattle the voters passed a bill that virtually prohibited public money for sports arenas so you're really like i don't see how it's possible for anybody to get that done they want the team to stay but they're not willing to use any public money for a new arena for them so you're kind of screwed in that aspect so at that point, Clay Bennett, he just says to the city, you know what? I'm going to move the team to Oklahoma City. Like, you're making it difficult to stay here. Or we're just going to go to Oklahoma City. But then the city of Seattle is like, well, wait a second. The team is still under lease at the key arena where they've played the majority of their home games throughout franchise history for another two years until 2010. So, like, you're under lease. You cannot just leave. So Clay Bennett, he asks, you know, can you grant us the permission to leave? Let's break the lease. Seattle says no. They turn back and sue Clay Bennett for trying to break the lease. Long story short, the lawsuit is settled. Seattle does sue Clay Bennett. They win. His group is forced to pay $45 million for breaking the lease. And an additional $30 million if the city of Seattle does not have a replacement team within five years, which at this point, we know that they did not get one. So overall, the Oklahoma City-based group and Clay Bennett, they paid $75 million for breaking the lease so they could leave early to Oklahoma City uh, before 2010. So when it's all said and done, Clay Bennett and the Oklahoma City-based investment group pay $75 million to the city of Seattle for breaking the lease early uh, so they could take the team to Oklahoma City. So ultimately, to answer the question of, but why did it happen? The city of Seattle passed a bill that pretty much eliminated the use of public money for sports arenas. There was also a pretty big lack of interest from local buyers. And when you don't have any local buyers and the city's saying we can't use public money, you have to start looking, you have to, you have to outsource and look for someone else. And honestly, Oklahoma City, they were looking for an opportunity like this. At that time, when they bought the team in 2006, just a year before that, the city of New Orleans was completely devastated and ruined by the disaster that was Hurricane Katrina. When that disaster came through and struck the city, the sports teams and everyone in the town, they had to go somewhere else. So for the next two years after that hurricane, the New Orleans Hornets were playing up in Oklahoma City. They were relocated to Oklahoma City and they played their home games for two years there. Now, during that time, Oklahoma City realized their hunger for basketball, their hunger for a team of their own was strong. They successfully hosted that basketball team. They took care of it. Like, They got the job done. So they wanted an NBA team. So honestly, when the Seattle Supersonics come up at this point, it was just a great opportunity. And sure, you might can say that Clay Bennett and the Oklahoma City group might have cheated their way to getting the team from Seattle to Oklahoma City. Maybe they didn't fully execute good faith effort as they were supposed to. But at the end of the day, it might be a bit unethical, but they got the job done. And if you ask me if they really wanted the team to stay in Seattle, why were there not more local buyers? Like, sure, once Clay Bennett announced that he was going to be moving the team from Seattle to Oklahoma City, then people started coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, I'll buy the team. I'll buy the team. Where were you a few months ago, a few years ago? You could have prevented this. So you really can't be all that mad at Oklahoma City. They saw an opportunity, they pounced on it, and they got the job done. Like yeah, it's sad. Seattle probably should have stayed in. The Supersonics probably should have stayed in Seattle, but you snooze, you lose. And I feel like that's what the city of city of Seattle did. They snoozed in the Supersonics, and that's what brought us the Oklahoma City Thunder. However you look at it, whatever the, the investment groups did or did not do, they they wanted a team. They got the team, and Seattle snoozed. You snooze, you lose. You can't be snoozing because then you're losing and then you don't have an NBA team. Okay, so that's the end of my story. I truly do appreciate you sitting here with me. Or if you're, I don't know, you're walking around, you're standing. I I don't know what you're doing. I appreciate you listening if you did listen to this point. My name is Davon. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier, but I am Davon. That's D-A-I-V-O-N. At some point, I do hope to become known as your boy Davon and not just Davon. But this was the first episode of, but why did it happen? Thanks for listening.